We're back! <laughs> hey guys, welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris. And I'm Jake. Man, it feels good to be sitting in this chair again. It does. I think we're both still kind of on a high, and everyone actually yeah. is still kind of on a high I'm recouping from it. the Overcrest rally. And of course, the vast majority of our listeners were not there in person. So I don't want to rub it in your face. I do. But, oh, okay. <laughs> it well, was awesome. Never mind that. Yeah, no, no. Yeah, I know what you mean. It was, no, it I was... think a lot of people even that weren't on the rally are enjoying all the like content. Oh, like, sure. All the Instagram photos and videos that's called, and stuff. That's called living vicariously, <laughs> which is, which is kind of a, a cool thing if you think about social media and the internet is you get to live vicariously. But then again, you also don't get to do anything you don't get to go do it so yeah we can rub it in your face a little bit that you well okay. stay tuned for next year then how about that yeah exactly No, so uh instead of basically giving a recap from everything you missed or what you already saw if you were out there chris and i wanted to give a little bit we'll, we'll call it just like uh the story of our road trip yeah maybe yeah just what where we went what we did outside exactly. of the rally yep we're also going to talk to our partner for the rally realista yeah they provided the app it's a really cool uh platform where you can go through create drives the entire overcrest rally route was on realista you can see where everybody else is which is kind of really neat like little cool. pictures of their cars they drive around plus um in probably maybe within a month or so maybe a month or two we're going to start having the roads i love that right. I've, I've i've driven on. everywhere and if you're a Patreon member, Overcrest Drivers Club, you're going to have access to the Overcrest Drive Pack, which is going to have all kinds of roads all over the country of places that Chris has loved to drive. Yeah. Chris, as in my, I'm talking to myself in the third That's person. That's kind of weird, but okay. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why I was doing that in the third person. <laughs> I'm tired, man. I'm still recovering. <laughs> I know. It's I'm been a lot. I'm still recovering. All right. Well, I'll give you a minute here. Before we get into it, let me talk to you about Petrol Box. Petrol Box is a monthly service made specifically for the automotive enthusiast, Chris. Yes. Uh, each month, they carefully select items, including tools, detailing supplies, apparel, garage gear, stickers, publications to be sent there right to your doorstep. I just got mine waiting for me when I got back from the rally, which had some much-needed glass cleaner in it yeah. because my windshield is terrible. Yes, it's, I had. I took it's that, still terrible. I took that glass cleaner with me as well. I, I need to get a new windshield. I had a big smash in my windshield. Right. And the insurance company gave me $2,000 for the windshield. Okay. So I had my buddy Dave come over and just fill it in. And? And, and it looks fine where it was broken. Okay. Like he filled it and he repaired yeah. it. It's fine. But? But it still is like a sandblasted windshield oh, because okay. it's been on there for- I thought you were going to say, but then it cracked. The no, no. It's just it. hard. It's hard to keep clean. when A new windshield's very easy to keep clean. It's but as soon flat. as they start to get rough and yeah. like abused- It's not smooth and shiny. Yeah. The bugs love to just- Gooch up on there. Exactly. So, Petrol Box, there's two different levels. The basic costs less than 20 bucks a month, while the premium gets you more gear for $39.95 a month. Check them out at mypetrolbox.com and be sure to use the code OVERCREST at checkout to get $6 off your first month. So, after the, uh, do you want, well, let's talk about our route to the rally. I mean, we can talk yeah. about, a little bit about where you, where you went. What I did on the way there was not that interesting, other than, you know, what was the worst part about my drive out? What's that? The Clown Doll Museum being closed. <laughs> I'm so happy I'm that was sad. closed because you are here and not murdered in yeah, a clown closet. I buy like 9,000 six Where inch clowns. Where the heck was that? <laughs> I was in Nebraska somewhere. What the, the clown hell? museum. Oh my God, that was terrible. Yeah. yeah, so my wife and I took some time off before the rally to kind of take our own road trip 
together out to Utah, and she had never seen Mount Rushmore. Which is strange, because it's very close to us. Right! So yeah. we took kind of the northern route across the Midwest over to Mount Rushmore. and Which is basically across Minnesota, across South, South Dakota. Dakota. It's basically straight. You just go straight on I-90 all the way out. Right. But I, I really like South Dakota. I think I it's do a too. great state to I drive didn't through. remember how beautiful it is on the western side. When it they is. start getting into the hills. It's incredible. It really is. And it's funny because as we arrived at this little town and hotel on the base of Mount Rushmore. I think it's is it Keystone. Anyways, there was this massive Honda S2000 rally pulling into town and they all stayed at our hotel. So there was, was all it these- just a swarm of bees just flying? Just a swarm of mean VTech, VTech. I do love S2000. Yes. But it was really funny having my car parked there and everyone was kind of like, they didn't know what to think of it. Yeah. And it's smaller than an S2000. Yes, it which is. is. Which is wild. So I wanted to sprinkle in a little bit of history. I'm wondering how your car ran. Here. In some of this elevation, because you got <laughs> <laughs> actually, it's it's a little uh, lean on it right now. Still, like I was chasing down a little bit of a lean spot. So when I got to like Mount Rushmore, which is like four thousand feet, it you, was great. you get up to like seven or eight thousand feet in going in into the I Black mean, Hills. You, yeah. yeah, you get yep. way up there. So I would say at like four thousand feet, it ran great. Yeah, and then I went. I'm getting ahead of myself, but then we went south into Denver and took I-70 across yeah. the mountains. It gets up to over 11,000 feet. Holy crap. So I had my foot to the floor going up I-70, and the car is just like, <laughs> way too rich. And I was like, I can't, I can't pull out of full throttle. Otherwise, was, it'll kill, and I'll be in the middle of I-70. You know I what I did when I got to Denver? In the middle Denver? of I-70. Eisenhower uh, Tunnel. What? You know what I did when I got you, to Denver? You changed your jets. I changed my jets. I went down a size. It was great. The whole... I should have done that. The thing was, I was on my leanest uh, idle jet that I had. Yeah, but I you're not... I should have changed in, my main. You should have changed your main jet because if you're floored, you're in the way exactly. in the main and circuit anyway. I do anyway. have different mains. I Why didn't you just do it? I don't know. I had all my jets with, too. This is what you do. It's just I part, know. Of the, part of the... I'm learning that now. Okay. But, yeah, up to Mount Rushmore, man. Great. <laughs> <laughs> so... A little history about Mount Rushmore. Everyone knows Mount Rushmore is the monument, notorious, that has the presidents on it, and they basically, it, it, they wanted to feature the presidents that are notorious through American history. Yeah, I, everybody knows Mount Rushmore, but I don't know very much. I do know that they built a road to it that's really special. No, let me tell you the coolest thing about Rushmore. Mount Rushmore. Mount Mishimisha, okay. Mish, Mount Mishimisha? Mushmore? Mushmore. Mushmore. <laughs> it's made out of potatoes. <laughs> mm. Mount Mushmore. No, the coolest thing that most people don't know about Mount Rushmore, and it really isn't documented anywhere, is the secret room carved into the backside of the monument. Oh, I thought you were going to say it into somebody's backside on the mountain. I guess it would be like the butt of Mount Rushmore, no, right? No, it's actually the back of uh, Lincoln's skull. Okay. <laughs> For real. Like, there's a room carved in the back of Lincoln's skull. That's kind of ironic, isn't it? <laughs> oh, no, it is. Oh, no, I didn't think of that. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, so. Do you think the guy's like, which which president should we do this to? And, and I don't know, Fred. I think it'd be funny if we did Lincoln, don't you? I don't know. That seems a little macabre, don't you think? Yeah. Nobody's here. By the time we get it done, it'll already be done. Nobody can say anything. I didn't even think of that. That's <laughs> not, so terrible. It's not like they're going to walk down the mountain and send a telegram and be like, hey, should we put another hole in the back of Lincoln's head? No, I just did it. 
<laughs> so the guy that did think this up, his name is Gutzen Borglum. Uh, he is, his original vision for the monument was actually much different than can be seen today. He envisioned a giant red Wait, ring. Hey, hey. What? What? What's in this room? I'm getting there. Oh, okay. I'm telling you why the room came to be. Okay, I was just very curious. I'm starting. You got to back up. Chris. I know. Well, you... you Okay. I'm teasing it. I got it. So that I you want to listen. Yes. And now I'm going through the story. I was caught this up on... is how good podcasting works, Chris. Got it. Got it. Okay. I'm sorry. Stay I was with me. I was stuck with the hole in the head thing. I know. So Gutzon Borgrum, his initial vision of the monument was totally different. He wanted to have a giant rendering of the Louisiana Purchase just to the right of Washington with key dates inscribed on it. What would a rendering... What... It was the, basically the entire like Louisiana Purchase, that amount of land. Could you imagine being like, hey, Nikki, do you want to go see the a diagram of the Louisiana Purchase? <laughs> no. No. Well, it also would have, like, I think Washington was initially going to be there and some other president. Yeah, but that's not a great plan. Yeah. And actually, each of the presidents were to be carved all the way down to their belt lines. But as time and money ran out, the monument morphed into what we see today, just their heads. You know what we should do? Is we should do the Beltline thing, but with modern clothes. So <laughs> it'd be Mr. Washington, <laughs> be like Washington in like a puffy vest. <laughs> Lincoln's wearing like a Patagonia hoodie. I like it. Let's do it. You can actually see they started on Washington's full like outline or his bust. Right. You can start to see some, but they just, just they're like they right. ran out of chisels. Ran out of chisels. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Another ambitious part of the plan was a giant room carved into the backside of the mountain called the Hall of Records. Is this like an? I bet it was like an apocalypse room no like let's put the constitution in there well kind of nicholas cage did nicholas cage know about this so this is yes this was in national treasure was it really yes it was okay so this chamber i thought you said this was a little known thing and now you're telling me it was in a box office Yeah, but you go to their website and everything else and they don't mention it at all so but it was in a blockbuster hollywood movie they actually put it in the movie but i remember they had to go to mount rushmore for something okay i haven't seen that in a long time all right uh, the chamber would hold documents and artifacts most central to American history, such as the Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, and others that would be housed in bronze and glass cabinets. Okay. So you weren't far off. Initial construction of the room started in July of 1938, but work halted right that next year when Congress directed that construction should be executed only on the faces. They're like, all right, guy. You're, you're dragging this along. We're spending way too much money on it. Just just the faces. Just J- the faces, guy. J.G. Johnson Suit Company Limited was very disappointed in that. because he, oh, he they sponsored sponsor the whole damn <laughs> outfits of all these guys. The guy, the, gen- <laughs> the guy selling suits at the general store at He's the bottom like, of no! <laughs> <laughs> the suit store in Keystone is super bummed. It is very bummed. Uh, initial construction of the room started. I just read that. So while Borlam's death, in 1941 and American involvement in World War II, they basically were like, okay, we we, we don't have time and resources to focus on this I didn't realize this, this was still being worked on at that yes, time. Yes, in 41. So it all came to a close on October 31st, 1941. Although Borlam's grand scheme for the Hall of Records had to be abandoned in 1998, the idea was brought to fulfillment by his own son when a repository of records was placed in the floor of the hall entry. The repository consists of teakwood boxes inside titanium vaults covered by a granite capstone. What records? So they put copies of everything in there. Oh, okay. So they put like a copy of the Declaration of Independence, copy of other 
things that I can't list off right now because I don't know American history very well. Well, I'm sure it was just like the Louis, the actual sign doc, the, probably the copy of the Magna Carta, yes. like all these different yes, things. Yes, exactly. Yeah. All that stuff. So someday some aliens are going to come down. We're all gone. They're yes. going to see this giant head on a rock be like, what is with these heads on these rocks? <laughs> and then, whoa, there's like a the vault on the back of this so, thing. Open yeah, it up I and, didn't include it, but on, so his, the guy's original vision, there was going to be this giant golden eagle over this ornate entryway into this grand hall. Yeah. And then there was going to be inscribings all along the hall about like why we made this monument, who these people are, what they meant to in our stone. history. Yeah. In stone. That would be impressive. Um, What he did do is this big like granite, face or door that they put in there he did inscribe a quote by the original uh envisioner of this what would you call him visionary the the architect architect of it and it basically the quote says uh here lays something about the like the monuments to our history only to be weathered away by water and wind alone or something like that that's kind of cool so basically like they will stay here forever so i desperately wanted to go see the entrance to the secret chamber but it is completely off limits requiring one to evade park staff trespass on federal land and scale the hundreds of feet of rock to get to the entrance it's being watched oh come on hundred percent hundred percent if it's got a titanium vault cover yeah it's someone's watching that for sure i really wanted to go up there i even looked on google earth like how you can get up there no I mean, you could have, but I didn't really want Nikki to bail me out of jail in South Dakota. <laughs> so I mean, That's federal trespassing. I don't think you're getting bailed out. No, I think, I think, I think yeah, you're I right. Think the Department a- of Homeland Security is probably going to say, hi, <laughs> hello. How are you? Uh, from there, we went south through Colorado, like I mentioned, and we stopped at this really cool town. Have you ever stopped in Glenwood Springs, Colorado? I don't know. It sounds familiar. It's but right on I-70, nestled in this valley. See, here's the problem. You're saying freeway names, and I try to avoid those. Right. This so. is worth getting to, though. Okay. And let me tell you why. So Glenwood Springs is the home of the world's largest mineral hot springs pool. So this is just where a bunch of naked people get together and yeah. like hang out? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? Whoa. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> no, so the Yapa Spring, which produces over 3.5 million gallons of hot water per day at a temperature of 122 degrees. What's a, what's a typical bathtub temperature? Like 100 degrees. Okay, so it's hot. She's hot. Yeah, okay. She's a hot boy. All right, so the water is... <laughs> what? I don't know. The water is cooled, then enters the town's two massive pools where it's cooled down to 104 degrees. It, it's cooled down or it cools down? It cools down. Okay, when well, you I mean, say they, it cooled down, it means like somebody's doing something like chucking ice cubes in it. No, is, well, I mean, they run it out on the surface for a while until they put it in the pool. Oh, okay. So yes, it is cooled and naturally it cools. Uh, let's see, members of the nomadic Ute tribe were the first known people to use the hot springs, which retains the original Ute Ute language name of Yapa, which translates to big medicine. Yeah. Well, because I'm sure it's, it's like a, a therapeutic water. Absolutely. Right? And I'm sure it's mineral water too. It it's smells, very, it's very sulfur rich. Yeah. You can kind of smell it, which isn't great. Uh, so the town itself was established in 1883. I just found these things kind of interesting. So I'm relaying. <laughs> Could you imagine being a guy coming back to his, his, uh, I'm not sure what the, what the Utes had for a house, whether it was like a, if they lived in, in like carved things or mud things or teepees or whatever, but imagine walking in there and being, and the wife just being like, where have you been? <laughs> you smell like the you smell like you sulfur. smell like sulfur. Where what are you, you doing? What have you been up to? Springs. And he's got like a little lipstick on his like little wait, collar right there. Wait, the natives use lipstick? Why not? They probably have 
don't you remember? You remember, obviously, you don't remember. <laughs> Do you remember back <laughs> in 1700? They would, a lot of older cultures would use like ground up rocks Flowers and powder and, and they would too. put paste in it and then they would put it on their faces. I mean, that's and more they for them. war paint, not for No, I mean, there's a lot of different cultures using Native like, wife, but. <laughs> Egyptians <laughs> used it for makeup. Yeah, you're right. They did. They used different kind okay. of pigments and things. So, yes, this is where the guy went. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but then in 1883, when the town was actually established by us white folk, uh, it was basically nothing more than a Hell on Wheels camp. Have, did you ever watch that show, or do you know this term? I know the show. I started watching it a little bit after we did our uh, railroad episode. Right. Yeah. They, so it's basically these railroad towns that popped up. They are nothing more than, like, tent camps yep. as they're building the railroad. So it consisted of tent camps, saloons, and brothels. Yeah. Yes. Sounds That's fantastic. Hell on wheels. Uh, Isaac Cooper, the founder of the town, was accompanied with his wife, Sarah, who, as one can imagine, didn't quite care for the town. I suppose not. In an attempt to make her feel more at home, he changed the name to Glenwood Springs, Colorado, after her hometown of Glenwood, Iowa. What was the name of the town before? Uh, Defiance. Did I say that? It was no, you didn't. Defiance. It was Defiance. Much, much I like that. That's time. much better. I know. So a lot of to- a lot of the like the old buildings and stuff, they still use the term Defiance, so like Defiance Barbershop or stuff. I love that. Yes. But can you imagine? He's like, look, honey, I know prostitutes, gamblers, and outlaws don't make for the best neighbors, but I renamed the town Glenwood. See, it's just like home now. I wonder what kind of uh, uh, intersectional politics were going on in Defiance in 1883. Why? I'm just wondering if there was anything going on back then or they were just all too busy trying to stay alive and not get shot by the guy across the street. Yeah. I'm just thinking. I don't think where you're going with this. No, I'm just saying it's a very hard life. Oh, yeah. It was a very difficult, hard life. No one Absolutely. was No one was worrying about anything but staying alive. Well, especially the brothel and the bar. So yeah, well, staying go. alive and not dying from syphilis is probably well, a big part true. of it. Well, true. Yeah, trade-off there. Uh, one fun fact about the town is that during World War II, the entire town was converted to a rehab facility for wounded men coming back from the war overseas. The hot springs made for a natural therapeutic environment. So it's kind of cool. The entire town was turned into this big... Except how do you, Except getting there was probably you had to ride on a train as you're... Yeah. Like, you're like not leg that's not well. the, yeah I yeah know. i know it's not great. although it probably felt really good when he finally oh, got there yeah and up in the mountains it's beautiful there yeah. so anyways if you're on i-70 i highly recommend you stop in, in defiance springs. defiance yes. yes defiance so we did actually go and swim in the hot springs how was it it was sulfury stinky like eggs? a lot of people there too mm-hmm. so i was like it like i know it's just the water smelling but i'm kind of like look at all these you're people. seeing all these like fat americans yeah. just like yeah. waddling around and you're like oh i'm smelling them aren't i Ooh. But it was cool nonetheless. Um, So then we made it down to Mexican Hat, where we had the rally start point. This is such a... I still don't know why they don't just call it Sombrero. Would you like to know why? Yes. Please (laughs) tell me. Tell me more. Okay. So the town of Mexican Hat, which was originally named Goodridge after E.L. Goodridge, a man who made an oil claim in this area in 1882, is now named after a nearby rock formation. Which is... An upside-down sombrero-looking thing yeah. and, on top uh, of a tower. It looks small, but if you go up oh, to it, yeah. it is absolutely massive. It is right. a ma- And it is a balancing act. It is unbelievable. So, I, well, I how does talking, it stay there? I was talking to the locals about this, mm-hmm. and they said, guys do climb it. And I was like, wait, so if you jump on the sides, is it going to like topple? Do people try to topple it? She's like, no, it's very securely up there. And she's like, you can. it's fairly easy to get to the base of the hat. Yeah. But then to get up around the lip of it, yeah, the brim. that's the really hard part. Yeah, and people do it. People do it all no the time. Thanks. 
Do you think that thing must weigh hundreds of thousands of tons? Oh yeah. And you, as a person, you're nothing. <laughs> I know you're not yeah, gonna. You're, you're not. But moving it does anything. look so precariously balanced there. You're like, oh maybe. I imagine that that thing over. has been sitting there like that, For being worn by wind and rain. Yes. And it's just at, from all sides, it's like constantly being balanced out and and just. I don't understand. Just that. I understand. <laughs> so, according to local legend, a young Mexican vaquero falls in What's love. What's a vaquero? I don't know. Okay. I'm, but he's a young I'm Mexican Googling man. It. He falls in, That's not important to the story. So but I, Google. I need to know okay. what a vaquero is. He falls in love with a young Indian maiden. Ooh, it is a Spanish uh, cowboy. Ooh, I like it. Yeah, Spanish vaquero. cowboy or cattle driver. Why isn't that used on any cool car name? A vaquero? Doesn't that seem awesome? Well, I think like 75% of the cars are made in Mexico now, so you might as well just name one of them Vaquero. I think it's a sweet yeah. name, the a Ford Mexican Vaquero. cowboy. Yeah. yeah. Or like the, you know, it could be like the the, the Ford Ranger, like the small truck could be yeah, the Vaquero. That could be the Vaquero. Yeah. Oh, I like it. I All right, anyway, so the legend has- A bunch it. of freaking Republicans probably aren't going to buy a Vaquero. <laughs> oh, come That's on. Nah. Nope. Oh, come nope. On. Not judging by the all the stuff with the wall and everything else. No, they're not buying a vaquero. No. <laughs> Anyways, away from politics, back to our history. The young Mexican vaquero falls in love with a young Indian maiden married to an evil old medicine man. When the medicine man became aware of their affair, he turned the young suitor into a stone formation below the hat. So the big question you had: Why don't they just call the town Sombrero instead of Mexican Hat? According to the local business owner, Joy, who I got to know over the days we stayed there, uh, when Mr. E.L. Goodrich, who made the original oil claim in the area in the late 1800s... Is there still oil there or not, or is it gone? Uh, it's mostly gone. He simply didn't know how to spell the word sombrero. <laughs> no joke. So while notating it on the map at the time, he simply wrote down Mexican hat. Okay. That's it. That That's is literally it. So during the first oil boom, the town saw a population of a thousand people. Then the ensuing bust caused the population to plummet to a single permanent resident. Ooh. No word on who that was. Just one person. Probably Joy's great grandpa. Probably is. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then there was a uranium boom. And we know this because when we were looking at this on the map, there's this area Massive. that is just. It's like this grayed out area on Wait, Google Maps. I thought it was like intentionally grayed out as like a black site for CIA and they don't want you to see what buildings are there. Yeah. But that is actual an aerial, aerial view of a massive holding pond where oh. they sift out uranium. And they, I think they still do. Because someone was saying they see a bunch of black SUVs driving away all the time. Yeah. So they might still be pulling uranium or I, I something think out of the do. ground. Um, but there was a big boom of uranium mining there a while ago. And then it's kind of shrunk down. So the town... Is basically what we saw today. It consists of a couple motels, gas station, restaurant, and it mostly caters to tourists who want to see the through. see the hat. They see see the the hat. There's other things to see that are close to Monument Valley's right there, and yep. the and the Valley of the Gods, and a bunch of other stuff is 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 reasonably close to the area. And so before we get any further, though, let's talk about Oberk Car Care. Oberk is your source for professional detailing compounds and supplies that is research tested and developed by professional detailers themselves. These are the guys that are passionate about detailing and know firsthand what makes a good product. And they really are great products. It's simple, foolproof, two-step process. It's easy and gives amazing, amazing finish. They also had their new product come on, which is like a, a quick detail spray that apparently sold out right away. Uh, right now, they are offering a 20% off your next order, though, when you use the code Overcrest. All right. Uh, <laughs> what do you, why are you 
Why'd you look at me like that? I was just thinking about how much detailing my car needs. (laughs) (laughs) So you can use that detailing or uh, that code for your detailing products on obercarcare.com, detailedimage.com, and carsuppliesweirehouse.com as well. All right. So I think the highlight for me, what was, I wanted to ask you, what was your highlight for the whole trip? (laughs) The people. The people. Hands down. It was, it was just this sense of camaraderie and community. The right people were there. And you know what it was? I was thinking about that. I was like, how did we get, none of them were pretentious. None of them were, I, it was just such a good group of people. And I think it's because they all made the sacrifice. Those that are willing to drive across the country to get to the middle of nowhere. It takes a type of person. Exactly. It takes a type of person that's willing to sacrifice and go through the toil and effort to do it. And one of the things that amazed me is I had routes that were not gravel. And there's a lot of people that drove on, they didn't take the gravel and that's fine. Right. But I was amazed by the amount of people that went and ripped around on the gravel. Yes. And had a good time doing it. And, I, and I've, of all the rallies I've ever done, all people are doing ever is complaining about gravel. Oh, there's gravel. I'm complaining. <laughs> there were so many cars just caked in dust. Oh, I love that. And it. we went up the Mokey Dugway. Yep. And then a very few people went up the Burr Trail because it was actually washed out. I managed to somehow make it through there smashing, literally smashed I, my car into the ground. I saw that. That was yeah, just, just made for some, uh, some good footage. Yeah, I made for some interesting <laughs> footage. Just literally railed my front bumper to the ground getting across this washed out section of the Burr Trail. But the Mokey Dugway, was every, everybody that did that, was just blown away. And I fully sent the Mokey Dugway. <laughs> I drove it as hard as I thought I could without dying, sideways, oh flat goodness. out. When I got to the top, my heart was, I, I could see my chest moving. Wow. When I, when I looked down, I could see my shirt moving because my heart was pounding <laughs> that so hard. hard from doing it. And um, the car survived the whole rally really, really well. It didn't really have any issues other than the brake line failure yeah. that I ended up having. And uh, yeah, I decided I was just going to go, you know what? I'm not going to bring the car home because it really doesn't need a lot of work. Okay. I'm going to take it out to California and I'm going to leave it there. Why? So I can fly out when it's negative 70 degrees and I'm depressed. I can fly <laughs> out there and drive the car around rather than just have it sit in my garage. Okay. So many thanks to Sebastian for, for hosting the car uh, out in California. And I decided I was going to take back roads. I tried to convince some people. I'm like, hey, don't go through Las Vegas. Las Vegas is right. horrible. And you end up in this big valley that's got a big thermometer in it. Right. And because it's Death Valley. And it gets to like it's, 130 it's degrees. It's way south of Death Valley. Oh, okay. But it does get very, very hot. And there's a reason there's a giant thermometer on there. It's just like the misery mometer. <laughs> I've driven through there once. And I don't know that I ever want to drive through there again. So I decided to take uh, Route 50 west across Nevada, which is Route 50 is... Uh, known as the loneliest road in America. Right. Which ends up turning into, I had to go south, so I went on on Highway 6. And it was it was awesome. I was alone most of the time. I ended up hooking up with Alan Tom, who's got the safari, the first keen safari. Oh, I safari didn't realize car. that was the first one that was 50, built. 50,000 miles on that thing. That's awesome. Yeah, so I got to hang out with him a little bit. We did a bunch of donuts in the desert and had a good time. And then I ended up by myself. And I think I ended up staying... Oh, man, I don't know where I stayed the first night. Maybe Bishop, California or something like that. I think I made it all the way to California. But on the way out there by the by a town called Tonopah, yeah. which is kind of a – I think it's relatively close to um, Area 51 area. There's yep. there's a missile test range over there. I think there's a yeah a test range named after Tonopah. Yeah, the, the Tonopah, Tonopah test range. That's the only yeah. reason I know the term. Yep, yep. And next to – near that is the Tonopah Airport, Airfield. Okay. And I I just I look off to my left and I see an old <laughs> abandoned hangar and it looked rusty. 
Yeah. It looked like this rusty hangar. I'm like, oh, got to go look at that. So I pull <laughs> over and I go, and there's an active airport to the left. The airport is still, oh, okay. is still there. Um, this, this airfield was home to the, at one time, obviously lots of stuff is abandoned now, but it was home to the 357th fighter group. Oh, cool. And they were, uh, they operated P-51 Mustangs in the 8th Air Force. Uh, they were known as the Yoxford Boys. This Why? is like world, I don't know, Yoxford, because that's where they were stationed in England, I think, it was okay. Yoxford. And, uh, but it was Chuck Yeager was one of these dudes. Oh, wow. Uh, Bud Anderson, who was a triple ace in World War II. <laughs> uh, he's the highest scoring living American fighter ace. He's 99. Wow. His P-59, uh, P-51 Mustang was named Old Crow. It carried him through. Old Crow. Which I guess it's like a whiskey. Like he, oh, yeah, he yeah, named it, it after yeah, okay. a whiskey or a bourbon or something. That plane through flew 116 successful missions, was never hit by enemy aircraft, oh. and never had to turn back for any mechanical reason ever. Wow. Where is that plane today? I don't It's probably in a museum. I'm sure yeah. it's at like the Smithsonian or something. This guy's got like 50,000 commendations and stuff like that. <laughs> the dude's still kicking at 99. That's 99 awesome. years old. So this, this, so this air, is the place that this you is stumbled upon. This is the place. Yeah. These hangars. Were, had these planes in them, and they did training here to, yeah. for, for this uh, 357th fighter group. Like, kind of cool looking back and knowing that's where I was. Absolutely. So I pull in there, and I see this old rusty hangar. I'm like, oh, I got to go take a look at that. And I'm kind of, I pull up to it, and it's fenced off, right? It's just right. a hangar with, like, a chain link fence around it. And I'm looking around, and I'm like, <laughs> I don't think anybody's here. This is, this is the definition of the West. No, there's nothing. There's nothing. You, you get out of your car, turn your car off. All you hear is like, there's, yep. there's nothing there. I see cars parked over at the airport. Right. But I think it's dudes that just pulled up and then got in their plane and flew their plane somewhere else. Right. Really. Because there's, there's, there's nothing. nothing. There's like a windsock with like a dingling, changling thing. I like ding, ding, like the rope that yeah, holds the windsock. Yeah. You can hear that on the and flagpole and there's nothing else. So I'm like, I'm going to think I'm going to hop over this fence. You know, how like, big of a fence are we talking? Taller than me. Okay. It's a pretty serious. Significant fence. Chain link fence. Yeah. Um, so I climb over this fence and hop in and I'm walking around. Were there signs everywhere that said, do no trespassing, you'll be shot? Not right away. Later, yes. Yeah. Uh, so I hop this fence and I'm walking around in here and everything is still kind of there. There's manuals for old airplanes. There's manuals wow. for uh, electric motors for the airplanes and engine manuals and stuff. They're kind of wet and soggy and laying on the ground and stuff like that. You can tell it's just leftovers the place was cleaned right. out but there's signs for the the airfield like, that's really cool. uh, runway signs yeah. uh, i don't know what it's with the terminal signs stuff like that i know there's only one little building but there's like a red sign <laughs> yellow sign then there's all the glass globes that go on top of all the lights oh, that blink cool. like in yeah. all different colors and in my head i'm like wow i would really love to have some of this but i never take yeah i never take anything because that's that's i don't even really take stones places get destroyed destroyed and, and for the next guy that comes and discovers this you want it to be special for him too exactly. i don't really even take souvenirs when i'm in the wilderness either typically yeah. maybe i'll take like a rock that i found think is cool but even that i just for some reason i don't like taking things with me yeah um but there's all these there's also uh there's bathrooms that you can i used the bathroom there which was very very convenient um <laughs> did the water run <laughs> no but there's you could tell where the there to was a toilet no there was no toilet but there's oh. a hole in the ground oh, I was okay. like, oh this is convenient okay and uh there's a triumph tier seven parked there with its hood right. up yeah just i someone broke obviously it broke down which is not saying much because i'm sure they all That's broke triumph, down right. but you're in the middle of nowhere nevada your triumph tier seven breaks down i guess you just walk away because <laughs> it, it had obviously been there for quite some time there wow. was drums of aviation fuel that were leaking Oh, cool. It, it was, and, 
against the back wall was like a T50 trainer wing. You could see the wing itself. Like, I saw this on your across stories. the whole back wall, and you but could you see, figured out what it was. Yeah, and then it, the the scaffolding for that holds the engine was there. Yeah, and it was just propped up. Like, hey, we're gonna do something with this someday, and never did. Never did anything. You look up, so it wasn't uh, a rusty building. It was a wooden building oh. that was once painted white, but oh, it, wow. but it's so dry there that the wood doesn't rot. So it, the sun burned off all of the paint on this building, wow. and everything that's left is this brown, rusty colored wood. Huh? It looked incredible, and the roof was all wood, but it's kind of failing a little bit. So it was yeah. all this dappled, speckled light coming in, and you're standing in the middle of it, looking up, and it's just all this light streaming in, and it's kind of dusty. So yeah. you have like these little speckles in there. It was really magical. And then I turn around to walk back out to my car and go, oh, shit, there's another one way in the distance. <laughs> I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to go and see that. So I hop in the car. <laughs> I drive down this, like, really shitty road, really, yeah. like, one mile That's an hour. That's saying something for you. Yeah, dodging these giant holes in the ground. And I finally get over there, and there's no fence around this one. And near it are, it's, this is super Walter White wet dream, right? There's, there's trailers with like, I kind of looked in one. There's like microwaves that are just open and refrigerators that the doors open and stoves with the doors open and cupboards with kind of like random things still in them. But you're just making sure no one's sitting there. I don't think anybody was because it's just, there's no vehicles, you know, so you'd have to walk there, which I don't know how you would do that. There's no electricity, obviously. This is obviously someplace where stuff gets dragged and left. Okay. And there's kind of, there's like this little mine that goes down where they, I don't know what it was for, but you know how you, when you see a mine that kind of rings down where they drive stuff down, it's maybe like three rings down and then at the bottom was a bunch of RVs, but like old, like they've been below ground, below ground. Like you went down there. I, well, I could see. I could oh, look. Okay. So, um, imagine like a mine where it's got the little roads that drive down okay. so you can get down to the bottom of the mine. You know right. what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're, but it was only Those like- Those are all tunnels though. No. it's you have to, When you get down to a bottom of mine, you have to build a road. It's like a, sw- like a, circle, like a spiraling switchback that like, goes down. Like an the- elevated garage structure. Parking garage. <sighs> sure. Yeah. Yes. It is. But it's outside. Okay. It's outside in the middle. Of, it's in the open. And at the bottom of it were, why don't you, it's like a bowl of dirt with like a, <laughs> it's a giant this bowl of dirt. This is an open mine. Yes. Okay. Thank yes. you. I was thinking an underground mine. No, maybe I should have said quarry. Yes. That is a the term quarry. you're, you're yes. looking okay, for. Okay. So small quarry. At the bottom of it were a bunch of RVs, <laughs> but they weren't new ones. They were old. They've been there for a very long time. And if I was alone, uh-huh. so I'm looking, I'm like looking around constantly. Yeah. I would turn the car off and then just go. And see if I hear like <laughs> tires on gravel, is yeah, like yeah. noises that you hear. So then I drive over to this other hangar and it's just, there's no fence. Oh. So I just drive my car right in there and take some pictures and stuff. And, and as I'm taking pictures and walking around, I keep hearing like creaks and stuff like that of this building as it like shifts in the wind. <laughs> and, uh, and I swear, man, I swear to God that I heard gravel and tires. So I booked my last back into my car and started up and. <laughs> And then there was nothing. Well, huh. that, that was that was the highlight of the trip. Was this this hangar? And that was the ghost of Walter White coming to make ghost meth. I think it was the the ghost of uh, Chuck Yeager, maybe. Yeah, there yeah, you go. He was obviously there. So then I continued on and drove by another clown hotel. Wait, like haunted by clowns. <laughs> now, oh, that's what I was thinking. It was the clown hotel. Yeah, yeah. How so, terrifying would that be? Yeah, not great. Not Holy not. Crap. I kind of would like to try it out. I looked. So the thing is, I looked it up while I was sitting there because I was going to maybe change my reservation to stay there. <laughs> and it looks like the clown hotel from the outside, but inside is more just like there's 
paintings of clowns on the wall. It's not like the, it's not like it when you go in there, terrifying. it's not like when you go in there, there's like a blanket that looks like a clown, you know, <laughs> just like, like a quilt that somebody's grandma yes. made in the shape of a clown with little like puffy things where the buttons would be on that shirt <laughs> with its arms that like when you go into the blanket, it's like the clown is hugging you. Yeah. It was nothing that, okay. that, that well, interesting. That's good. It was nothing quite that interesting, but it was, uh, that was in a town. I think that was actual Tonopah proper. So gotcha. that was like maybe another 15 minutes west of the airfield. Okay. And let me tell you, this town was interesting. There was a <laughs> bar. So. There was a bar called the Bang Club, and uh-huh. it had a lot of truck parking. Uh-huh. And there was all kinds of little bitty houses. Are you in Nevada at yes. this point? Yeah, okay. this is still Nevada. So legal prostitution. Oh, well, yeah, sure. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm sure there was. I don't know what the licensing and the regulation is for that. And maybe that, I was thinking it was kind of like a funny name. But maybe no, it was I think it might have been legit. The Bang Club. Well, I guess it's pretty on the nose, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Truth in advertising. And what's, in, what's interesting about <laughs> these small nowhere towns in Nevada uh-huh. is there are so many cars in people's backyards. I suppose because nothing deteriorates. Nothing. Rust. It's just there's, there's no, no rain. There's no trees to hide them behind. There's no moisture. You need moisture for rust to happen. Right. There's none. There's wow. nothing. So I think it would be really cool to take a trip out there with a truck and a trailer and, and, find, and find, find something to bring home. There's beetles. There's old trucks. There's yeah. old C10s. Yeah. There's tons of stuff that's just sitting there waiting to be plucked. Plucked. And I don't think a lot of people drive off the main road. Like I went through yeah, the, the right. actual town of Tonopah, which is on the north side of Highway 6 or 396. And you drive around in there and it's, it is, it's almost like a third world country. Really? It's very, very poor. Hmm. Very poor. And I don't know what the economy is like for these people yeah, i think what because there's be? they're not they're not there's making, no tourism they're not making anything well, they got the clown museum and the bang club you know <laughs> or the kind of the two things you get so you get people just kind of transient passing through i guess is wow. kind of what you get mainly otherwise there's probably a bunch of people like on social security or I don't or know. they just i don't know what you what do you do i don't know i mean the human a human being can can subsist off of very little right you can but, I, but I don't it's know. not going to support a town no, no, clearly not. It's it was very, very sad. There's all kinds of if you like abandoned shit, and you like exploring abandoned things, which I do. Yeah, the thing is, doing that stuff alone, it can be sketchy. It can be a little. Well, I was I had my knife on my lap yeah. when I was like driving through these towns. I don't know if someone's gonna come. I what was I gonna do? Like grab somebody's hair and stab them in the jugular? <laughs> They're like, hey, get out of the car, and I'm like, stab, 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 stab. I'm like, what am I gonna do? Legitimately, is yeah, that what no, I'm gonna that's do? Probably not a great plan. I don't know. <laughs> It doesn't seem like a good idea. I don't know. It just made it like a little tougher blanket. It'd be like a guy from Minnesota stabs local resident. That just just wanted to check out his cool car. Exactly. There's all kinds of air-cooled stuff out there, too. Yeah. Just like I saw a couple Beatles. I know where they are. I'm not telling you, so don't ask. But there was a couple earlier, like, uh, 60s Beatles parked out in these fields. Huh. I saw a... Um, this was actually on the last day of the rally. I saw an old 123 Mercedes 300 diesel in a field. <laughs> and you're like, I could get that running. I could. I could. You could. Go get the AV fuel. You could get, you could dump it in there. 100%. Rock and roll. Get it running. Let's do it. And next to it was like, a, or a little bit of ways away in the same field was an old rabbit diesel. Yeah. Like It's like these, these weird, like, I feel like this kinship with these people that are just out there <laughs> on, off the grid. Just, You're uh, like, I want to be like you. It almost seems like it could be livable now. 
Like with Elon Musk's satellite situation, you could have the internet. Well, I was talking to the folks just in Mexican Hat, and that's still, I mean, it's not in the middle of nowhere, but right. it's still out there. Well, it's pretty, pretty, it's much pretty it in the middle of nowhere. And he's like, we have FedEx, we have Amazon, it's fine. Yeah, I think you could really I was do like, it. Yeah, now. you're right. Why not? So I have all these like Zillow things. <laughs> I know you do. You keep <laughs> sending them to me. It's these, like 500 acres in the middle of the desert. Yeah, 500 acres in the middle of desert for like $800,000. Yeah. <laughs> which is pretty awesome if you think about it. I mean, yeah, why not? You because could, you what could, are you going to do out there? What, what do, do I, I do here? Get anywhere? What do I do here? What do you what do I do you here? You come into the you come to hang out with friends down in on Fridays. Yep. And then you come here to do a podcast on Thursdays. That's it. That's all I do. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're you buy an airport, so you fly to places. Yeah, yeah. Well, and you, you can get car parts at stores. And you can order car parts. They just show up. You can order car parts on Amazon now. All right, you're right. You can, or or you can not get your car parts and order them on Rock Auto, and you could never get them, and then they could disappear, <laughs> and then you could call up FedEx, and then they could say that they're in a container somewhere, and then they don't know where they are, and then they could they could not show up all at the same time, and they could still not show up. Like uh, if maybe if you had an Isuzu Trooper that was needing a few parts that would make it not run like total crap, that would be <laughs> hashtag great. not a sponsor. <laughs> <laughs> you know who is an awesome partner of ours for the rally is Relista. Yes. So we talked to these guys because we had an awesome application for the rally, and it basically gives you the turn-by-turn directions, and the best part is you can see all the other users and participants on the rally right on the map in real time. Let's talk to them. Let's see what they've got to say. Jacob and Blake, thanks for joining us on the podcast. Absolutely. We're happy to be here. So before we get into it, why don't you guys introduce yourself? Who, Who are you guys and what do you do? Jacob, go ahead. Yeah, so I'm I'm Jacob. I'm one part of Rallysta. Been building all kinds of fun stuff for it for quite some time, and um, working with Blake for a few years now. What was the why? Why Rallysta? What was the reason? Is there some? Was there a moment where you're like, oh my gosh, this sucks so bad. <laughs> <laughs> we need to make something that doesn't suck and that works and that fulfills whatever was missing. Um, I'll jump in real quick, yeah, if that's okay, it. Jacob. So I I have been on a lot of rallies. Um, mostly, actually, I tend to navigate or, you know, go towards the classic car rallies. Um, and in those fashions, typically you're handed a route book. And, you know, if you have a co-driver, that's great. If you are going on the drive by yourself not so great uh danger you know (laughs) i usually have my hands full when i'm driving because i like to i like to wheel a car Uh, i don't want to hold a route book and try to read i think it's even more distracting than even cell phone usage while driving just in general so i never really understood why we would be following route books just in general um and you know and in the big in the big rallies that's that's what you get and jacob and i met each other on a good friend of ours runs a a classic car rally uh uh, classic car adventures and a rally series that he hosts multiple events per year jacob and i met back in 2017 2018 uh and you know jacob and i had talked about the idea of you know improving the quality experience um and eliminating the route book, uh, not because we wanted to destroy that 
historical significance, but rather just engage younger drivers, right? So having met at a rally with a common goal, both being huge car enthusiasts, we started working together to solve a problem. Yeah, plus like Google sucks too. Yeah, I mean, when you try, like I've been planning rallies for uh, like 15 or 20 years now. And you know, you go through Google and you drag the thing in there and then you try to like, okay, how do we get this map, this route into somebody's hands? It just wasn't really possible. You know, you could plan the route there, but then you couldn't give it to the people to drive it. So then you had to have the route book. And like you said, you're trying to, if you're by yourself, you're trying to manage a route book. You've got it in one hand, and you're trying to shift with the route book in your hand. In between, yeah, even, your if, index. even if you're not with someone, my wife on the last few rallies where we had a step-by-step route book, she was getting car sick and yeah, yelling at me. You get me. car sick. She's and you're like, trying to... "What are you doing? You need me to read this?" And you're yelling at me. And I was like, All yeah, right, we, car, we can't uh, be a rally team because she would be terrible at pace notes." <laughs> route books can can entirely ruin relationships. I've experienced it firsthand as well. Uh, you know, being ignored by somebody that you know post post days uh, on the road, right? After a long day and a couple missed turns and, you know, in situations like that, not everybody's reading their route book. So if it's a follow the leader scenario, sometimes people just trust that you know where you're going if you're in front. <laughs> hey, it's and, like life. <laughs> yeah, and you, you know, had they been paying attention, but then we all get in, you know, a rough spot or something like that and it's like, or everybody's got to turn around and it's a 20 car chain and it's on a two lane highway and nowhere okay. to turn out or stop. Like sometimes that can add 20 minutes to a, to a journey. But Plus you get like you this know. weird, if you do fo- lead follow rallies and you've got one guy that knows that's, that's the way things started for me when I was doing rallies. I'm yes. like, all right guys, let's go. Just and follow we, me. Yeah. Just yep. follow me. We'd have like 50 people and the guys in the back, their brakes are on fire like it's just everything because they're because you get this like accordion effect right where you come up to a stoplight you stop people go and by the time the last people are leaving the stoplight you're in the next town and they're going nine hundred thousand miles an hour trying to catch up and not get lost it's so true it's so true so blake we kind of interrupted you who are you in the rallysta team so i'm you know it's a laughable title, but I'm I'm functioning as the CEO, uh, you know, continuing to think about the future, how we can engage new users, what products uh, or what our product needs to improve on to define the route that we're trying to go, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> and Jacob is our functioning CTO. Uh, he had basically done all of the iOS development himself. He quit his job. We, you know, he dedicated himself far more than even I did to, you know, make this a reality. Um, Jacob, anything else you want to throw in? I mean, I guess I'm functioning as the CEO, but who I am (laughs) in general. So you're saying uh, Jacob is really smart. Jacob's super smart. Super smart guy. (laughs) Yes. And uh, I am kind of the the flower child uh, visionary, right? <laughs> like I'm the one that like knows what I want. And then Jacob reels me back a lot uh, and tells me to take baby steps. And I'm over, you know, running through the field of flowers, rubbing my hands through the idea of Rallistas. I just, you know. So I've got a baby yeah. step for you guys. I had uh, Jake and I were talking about this. Hold, hold I mentioned on. We'll, we'll get into that. But no, like, I know. No, let's, you're let's, going let's right into it. Let's just do it. Okay. Let's just okay. do it. Uh, so I have this idea for the app, which I think is a great app. And I think it's really, the interface is awesome. And I love that. You realize you have, most people don't even know what this app is yet. 
Well, they, well, we're talking about it. We're talking about it. We'll I get know. there. We'll, okay. get there. We'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. So, well, let me tell you. Let me. I will explain what Release is, and you guys can tell me where I'm wrong. Let's do that. Okay. So, I think Release is this great app for for rallying, where you can plan routes, point by point, waypoint directions, and have drive packs to have all your buddies come out and have a great time with you. Uh, it, it seems to be like the core of it. Right? The best feature, and what I think is kind of the unique attribute of Realista is you're able to see all the other rally participants on the map in real time, which right. is awesome. Right, and that's where my like great idea for the app comes from. I feel like you should be able to go help there should be like a there should be like a button that an you can SOS press, button an, an SOS yeah. button that like yep. makes your thing blink like dot 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 dash 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 dot 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 yeah sending Morris code yes please help me and if, and if you're like some super rich guy obviously a van will just show up and like your four mechanics will just hop out and fix your car but in a rally like Overcrest they could be like oh no Bob is broken down in his in his thing again and you can go someone could be like I'm coming and they could who make, let Bob and his Volkswagen thing on the rally yeah, well, I, I didn't uh, even mean Volkswagen know, thing. That's, that's very, very good. Uh, very unlikely to break down, actually. So maybe that's a bad example. Um, we could use like an old 912 as a, as a car that would break down quite often. <laughs> Apparently so. Yeah, yeah. One, of, one of my smarter moments when back on one of the rallies that I didn't do with Blake, but from Classic Car Adventures, we we took a Jaguar and this this feature of an SOS would have been fantastic. We, we found ourselves like attempting to pull the head off of an inline six in the middle of nowhere right beside a gas station just to see we you know we had the head gasket in the back because we saw the puff of white smoke right before the rally oh, threw no. it in there and it was a it was a fantastic experience needless to say the car didn't make it Our <laughs> so friends, you pulled that did you pull the head off did you look so it was it was seized to the block. We were like oh. in, the, in the gas station, just like prying on it with every tool we could find. <laughs> Nothing happened. But the funniest part was some of our friends on this rally. They had staged a backup Miata at the very start. They're like, they're gonna need this. This is the first <laughs> time where they've they've crossed into the deep end. <laughs> so was this a Miata that was brought by the organizers? Like, it was a kind of like Top Gear where there's a oh, car yeah, that- the car followed. that no one wants. <laughs> no, no. So these were some good friends who also know the organizers, but they just, everybody on the rally except me and my friend knew exactly what was going to happen. <laughs> Maybe that's like a good idea, though. Maybe we can car. bring a backup car. I was car. just going to say, but it has to be something terrible. Yeah, like a, like a like Plymouth an, Horizon. Or, or an, a Ford Escort. An original, <laughs> an original you town and country van. You can't make it better. Van. Yeah, it's got to be you an original town and country van. You can't make it better than anything anything else that anybody would drive no i right? still want it so, to be like vintagey an so, old chrysler new yorker something like that yeah so uh, like with what AC. about a lebaron what about Ooh. a lebaron with wood paneling the special you know uh, mark you could have turbo turbo you got the lebaron turbo yeah. i was just gonna say that yeah yeah i don't I, think it came with i was thinking the though. van turbo though that's what i was thinking because then we could pile the we caravan. could caravan yeah we could use it to pile the overcrest stuff in some tools, maybe some rescue and supplies. Whoever breaks down just has to be our stuff hauler. <laughs> Follow the SOS. Yeah, there you go. There you go. It's great feedback, Chris. We we do have it on our roadmap. Uh, there's also some other unique things that we have that are coming, but the SOS button is something that we're hoping to do in like the V3 scenario. Sure. Um, which should be coming somewhat soon. Um, our biggest hurdle right now is just finalizing with who we license our rights from the actual map uh, data and getting the price model to come down. I mean, that's really our biggest hurdle right now. Right, because you guys have to pay for the throughput, I'm guessing. 
Yes, and the data, which a lot of people, you know, don't necessarily understand that, you know, we have costs. They just think, oh, well, you built this thing and then it's done. And why are you asking money? And why does this cost money for my group or my organization to run on this platform? And it's because of the data. It's because of the communication and it's because of the licensing and we don't own it. So we are kind of just uh, held accountable to pay and in hopes that as we continue to grow and prove our worth in the driving community that this product is is worth paying for that being said though blake so an end user like someone who's listening to the podcast they can go download the app relista and they can get in there and just use it there's no cost associated from a a consumer use it for free absolutely and we do have uh, upgraded versions that are purchasable by the consumer the end user uh, that will create you know, upgrades within their account that will give them more benefit. Absolutely. We've got two small levels of upgrades, but our product is freemium, like download it, use it, you know, interact, drive on it for free. Just like all the participants of, you know, Overcrest rally, nobody had to pay anything. Like it was, it was all part of the experience and joining the event, going on the drive and I mean, we, we shared some amazing times out there on the road. Well, tell us about, like, what did you, what was some of your best experiences on the Overcrest Rally in your, in your super sweet Citroen? <laughs> we have to talk about that, too. <laughs> um, Jacob, lead, tell, tell them your side, because I, you know, I have a, a delusion of great here with my Citroen <laughs> and the trip overall. Uh, Jacob has, so, Jacob has his own unique experience. Yeah, I think, I think my... Having ridden in the Citroen for three days, I was incredibly impressed to find out at the end when I finally drove the car that there is absolutely zero steering feel whatsoever. (laughs) (laughs) A hydraulic hydraulic pump that's attached to the steering wheel and it kind of pushes you along. And yeah, it was it was very impressive and also maybe mildly horrifying. That was mostly my driving, not the car. Let's well, make sure that's clear. Fair enough. <laughs> well, you guys were able to go on some of the more extreme routes in that thing. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, I had a phenomenal t- time chasing down Al and his keen project, like yeah, through the, the desert. Yeah, we were having a blast, and he and his uh, wife were just totally enveloped in the way the car dances. You know, at speeds, on gravel. I mean, we're talking uh, allegedly, these were off-road, so, you know, it's not like anything was illegal. But triple-digit speeds in gravel, in dirt, rough road surfaces, and we were just flying. Props to you, Jacob. In a pink That's where Jacob got terrified, right? Because... I'm telling you that, that this is, you know, it's not normal to have a co-pilot do this, but Jacob for his own safety and uh, confidence in me as a driver was literally reading me everything course notes and his own interpretation. So (laughs) we'd be literally, we'd be literally hauling ass up a hill with just full blindness. And I was just committed because Al knows this road. I don't, but I'm just, I'm flat out. I mean, there's nothing greater than driving a slow car fast especially on loose terrain, you're living at the edge of life, right? Absolutely. On roads you don't know. And Jacob's like, 
overcrest left three minus and then <laughs> you, you know we would be going we would be going okay we you know this this right coming up is a two minus then it tightens up to a one left and then i would just keep going where are you getting these numbers like, from he was, was just making them up <laughs> on the fly uh, As, well, uh, you know looking at rallista and seeing our gps ping yep and that's awesome. reading, you know, how tight these curves looked based off the scale of the phone. Yep. Jacob was literally reading for his life. And that's there amazing. was times where it was like two left, one right, maybe one, one maybe one, maybe you want to slow down. Don't one right, cut. Don't, then... cut. <laughs> Don't cut. So where can people find Relista if they want to, if they want to get their hands on this app and try it out for planting some roots uh, wherever they live? Jacob? Yeah, so our our website rallista.app, and that's R A L L I S T A, and also on Instagram, all all paths kind of lead you to either the website or the iOS and Google Play app stores. All right, we'll and make sure that we link it in the show native. notes. Right. Yeah. So you download them right there in your app store. Yes, whether it's yep. you know Android or iOS, they're in the store. They're ready to go. It's download it, try it, experience what drives are already in your area. And if you got something better, please add it, share it. Like that's right. That's what's cool is you can driving. add your drives. Yeah. Like we're all in the same boat here. We're all enthusiasts. Let's share the roads and like get back in our cars and like back to the roots of driving for leisure. Like that's our really big driving motto is just like wanting to engage especially like younger audiences um just absolutely to make this interesting and fun and and i know a lot of people on the rally really enjoyed the app they had a ton of fun and we are so happy to be partnered with you so that we can also have that same mindset and share that goal of getting people out there and driving thank awesome. you guys so much Happy to be here. Thanks for having us. And we look forward to future working with you guys. All right. We'll see you guys next year. All right. All right. Take care. Before then. Uh, If not, bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Many thanks to those dudes for hanging out with us on the rally. It was wonderful to have them along. And I'm sure they'll be with us uh, next year. Do we know where we're doing the rally next year? We kind of do, don't we? We're not going to say anything. Yeah. I've told a lot of people some options, but I haven't told anybody exactly what I asked one guy because he drove to the rally from that area. Yeah. And he's like... Best roads from here to there. Okay. Well, I guess that's solved then, isn't it? I'm assuming we're talking about the same place. We're being total jerks. (laughs) Tease, Uh, tease, tease. My car, one thing I noticed is in uh, at sea level. Yeah. My car is a monster. Yeah. An absolute monster. Even driving my car over to the studio today, I was like, holy crap. We're at a thousand feet here. Yeah. Oh, at sea level. Another, I don't know. We're at a thousand feet here? Yeah, it's about 900 feet. Really? Yeah. It is crazy. I it is roll into first gear, tire tire spinning in my car. <laughs> it doesn't do that here. And I don't know if that's because I put a different jet in and I kind of started messing with the carburetors a little bit yeah. more. But it rips. And I ended up going to meet uh, uh, Mike and Drew. Drew is from uh, Cool, cool Collective. Collective. Awesome and Mike guys. has that old. Uh, oh, I guess it's new compared to my car, but a nine nine three with the gold wheels and the ducktail and yep. chalk. Yep. Really great car. That is such a cool. car. We went up Azusa Canyon. Okay, which is. 15 minutes from the guy's house and it was an incredible i'm jealous 
I'm so jealous that these guys can leave. You know how a- often you rip on oh the California guys who feel like they have everything they need right there, and you're like, yeah, yeah, they do have everything they need right there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, here's the thing. It was great to go explore once. Yeah. But I would want to go find new things after that. I, I need new things. Like uh, you saw the the link or the picture I posted of all the pictures that I've taken across the West yeah. as I've driven out there. Oh, yeah. You can't even see the map because it is just photos. zillions of photos that I've taken because I take a new way every time I go out there just to discover something new like yep. that airfield. You, you never, you're never going to see that if you're on you know, going through Las Vegas in thermometer land. <laughs> right? Right? Right. Yeah. All right. What have we got going on next week? No clue. No clue. I have a clue. What do we have going on? We have on? Brian's questionable decisions is going to come on the podcast. Oh, the Ferrari guy. Yeah, the Ferrari guy that took his car up oh, to the Arctic. This guy makes you look like a garage queen. Yeah, I want to do this. I mean, I'm ready. I'm I'm all set to do it. I just got to find a way to get up there. That it is seems awesome. like a very expensive trip. And uh, I'm really interested to hear his perspective of it, doing it in a Ferrari. We talked a little bit. I was in, uh, I think I was in like Southern Colorado yeah, I was in Southern Colorado in the middle of nowhere. He sends me a text message. He's like, yeah, my throttle cable broke. Do you have any ideas? And we kind of like brainstormed <laughs> ideas of how you fix a throttle cable in a Ferrari. In the middle of nowhere. In the middle of nowhere. And I know he'll be able to tell us what his solution is next week, and I'm going to save it oh, so we can, we can talk about it. But he's going to be on the podcast next week. Um, make sure you guys head over to overcrestproductions.com slash drivers club. Drivers club. That's right. And uh, if, Or the link is right in the show notes. If you'd like to support the show, we would really, really appreciate that. Keep the lights on over here. Keep Exclusive us planning around. content, rallies. some yes. goodies as well that you get access to. Yep, yep, absolutely. And we're going to have the show. We're going to start having a lot more merch, I think, coming in. And we're going to start giving discounts to the Patreon members, the Driver Club members. I like it. And uh, we'll see how things go and, and things develop. like you mentioned earlier, you will get access to the drive packs on Releasta yes. if you're a Driver Club. And you actually get first crack at applying for the rally, too. Ooh. Which is something that's going to start to become pretty special as time goes along here as the rally starts to get a little bigger. Uh, That's it. That's all we got time for this week, guys. We really appreciate you hanging out. We'll see you next week. Take care.